0: now we turn to God's word. And our first reading for today is from Acts chapter 10, verses 34 through 43. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts people from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him we are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem they killed him by hanging him on a tree but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen he was not seen by all the people but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one about whom God pointed as judge of the living and the dead. And all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is from Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And our gospel for this morning is from Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ.
1: Well, happy Easter, everyone, and thank you for joining us for our Easter worship. Uh, We're going to begin by using the greeting that Christians have used for centuries at Easter time. I'm going to say the first part, and you respond. It's, Alleluia, Christ is risen. And then you respond by saying, He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Now, let's do that with gusto, with joy in our hearts. Let's let the neighbors hear you. Don't scare the dog, all right? Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Our theme this year is rejuvenation. Now That's an interesting word for something to be rejuvenated. Means that it needs to be brought back to its original condition. To be renewed. To be made right and whole once again. And I tried to think of something in our house that has experienced rejuvenation. And I came up with my wife's ice skates. Now, these skates are more than 42 years old. We got them uh, as newlyweds, and uh, they weren't expensive. They're not great skates, but they're leather, and they fit her, and uh, she's still using them at our age. Uh, They're comfortable for her, so to keep them going, to keep them rejuvenated, we've had to, to bring them to several different cobblers over the years, and to who have uh, reconditioned the leather and done other things to make sure that they still work. Rejuvenation. Well, if there's one thing that needs to be rejuvenated right now in our society, it's us. We've learned so much about this COVID-19 pandemic. And one of the things that we've learned is that we are so vulnerable, Uh, we are breakable. Uh, We aren't as smart as we thought we were. We aren't as sufficient as we thought. Our medical technology, while so awesome in so many ways, has not been adequate enough as we thought for this crisis. To put it simply, we're broken. And we look around and we realize that we're not in control. The effects of sin that we see in our world and this brokenness is just as bad as when Adam and Eve, our first parents, sinned against God. Yet we are here today, meeting again underneath the cross, realizing that even though we are broken, that as we celebrate this Easter with millions and even billions of Christians around the world, there is hope. Because there is rejuvenation. There is new life, abundant life in the Lord Jesus Christ who not only died for us on the cross of Calvary but then who rose again on the third day. For hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. It's in our Easter gospel lesson for today that we see this whole process of rejuvenation taking place for those first believers. In fact, uh, we see that there is rejuvenation, first of all, in spite of darkness. Verse 1 of our text today in Matthew 28 says that after the Sabbath, at dawn, that is while it was still dark, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. It was dark. Not just because the sun was just now starting to come up in the east. It was dark because of their emotions of their spiritual disappointment. Here they had witnessed the one whom they had hoped and believed was the promised Messiah who had come to to save them and to, to usher in the kingdom of God. And here he is, dead, lifeless. Understandably, they were discouraged and despondent and depressed, expecting as they went to the tomb to find This lifeless remains of a friend and a teacher, most likely in a tomb that was sealed behind a big rock. Dark prospects. Have you ever faced dark prospects? I don't need to remind you that the human toll of the current pandemic seems to be getting worse each day, at least in our community. There are days when I won't even turn on the news anymore because while there are a few nice human interest stories, for the most part, everything just seems to be getting worse and worse and worse. More people are getting sick. More people are dying. And we are told that it's only a matter of time before each of us will know somebody who has been affected by COVID-19. And if the physical toll isn't enough, the prospects are dark economically. Millions of Americans are now unemployed. There are many people in our own congregation who have lost their jobs. Uh, and it only promises to get worse in the next few weeks and months. Savings and retirement funds have been just shrinking rapidly. Trillions of dollars have been lost in our economy. Physically, economically, and even emotionally, we are facing dark prospects. Being holed up in our homes, while it's nice to be together as families, that causes friction in itself. There are other family and friends that, that we may not be able to see or, or to give a hug or a handshake to. We're being denied, even this weekend, from singing our alleluias face-to-face with one another that Jesus is alive. And the result is it's starting to bring people down. You can see it in their faces. In fact, we wonder, along with God's people of old, how long? When's this going to end? In Matthew's gospel, it's interesting to note that the resurrected Lord appears first to these two women named Mary. The Lord Lord doesn't appear first to the 11 original disciples or to the religious leaders or to those who have money or to people of importance, but to these two women who had followed him to the cross and had now come To the grave in the darkness. The women coming to the tomb in that darkness came upon the angel of the Lord sitting there upon the stone. And listen to what the angel says again Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Yes, they came and they saw that the tomb was empty. Jesus isn't dead. He's alive. And the angel says, now go, go tell the other disciples. And as they were on their way, guess who appears to them? They recognize him. It's Jesus. Not dead, but alive. And Jesus says to them, greetings. Probably in our language, he he would have said, hey there. (laughs) And the message of the angel is confirmed. Jesus truly is alive. And the only thing they could do was to fall down in humility and worship him. What a turnaround. God sees these ladies and he moves them from being discouraged to being delighted. You see, with the Lord Jesus Christ, there is rejuvenation. We come back to life, even in the midst of darkness. There is also, we see in our text, rejuvenation in spite of big problems. The big problem that the two Marys faced as they came to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus was that there was a big stone that had been rolled in front of the tomb. And not only that, but it was being guarded by Roman soldiers. What a huge issue they faced. Have you ever faced any huge issues, big boulders in your life? I'm sure you have. Times when you weren't sure how or when that boulder would be moved out of the way. Well, our text tells us that when the women got to the tomb, the Lord had already moved the the big boulder away. The stone was moved. And, And let's be clear, the stone was not moved away so that Jesus could come out of the tomb. Jesus didn't need the stone rolled away. He could have gotten out anyway. No, the big stone was moved so that his followers could look into the tomb and know for certain that Jesus was not dead, but that he is alive. This is one of the great rejuvenating facts of the resurrection. And this, that's this, that the certainty of Christ's resurrection that we celebrate assures us that through our faith connection to him, we have a sure and certain hope that problems don't have to be the best, get the best of us. We have the hope that things are always going to get better. That by his grace, either the Lord's going to move that big stone that we face or he's going to give us the strength to be able to handle those problems. That's why the Lord speaks to the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 40 when he says, those who put their hope in the Lord will renew their strength. In other words, the assurance of Jesus and his victory means that we can be rejuvenated, renewed, and made whole by the Lord even as we face our bolder sized problems. And you say, well, how does the Lord work? What is it that causes all these wonderful things to happen in our lives? Well, we are rejuvenated as a result of God's resurrection power. You know, it looked like Satan had won the victory over God. Jesus was dead the tomb was sealed. Yeah, it seemed as though that power of Satan in the grave were too much for the power of God. But there the angel was and said, I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's risen. And the resurrection proves that Jesus as true God and true man is all-powerful. And just as Jesus is powerful enough to come back from the dead and defeat Satan and sin and even death, he is also then powerful enough to handle anything that faces you in your life. I got a kick one time out of a, out of a confirmation young man. I was waiting with him for his parents to pick him up after class and uh, they, were, they were delayed for some reason or another. And as we were talking, I uh, issued a challenge to them. I, I said, tell me one thing that, that, that you hope God is powerful enough to do for you in your future. And that's, that's a big question for a, for a 13 or 14-year-old. Uh, and about that time, I pulled out a snicker. It was close to dinner time. I says, you can have this candy bar if you can just tell me one thing that you think God is powerful enough to do for you. And that's when he turned the tables on me. He was pretty sharp. And he said, Pastor, if you can tell me one thing that God cannot do, I'll buy you a whole bag of Snickers. Yes, God and his power, the resurrection power. In fact, the Apostle Paul writes, he says that his greatest desire is this. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection Because the rejuvenating power of God is available to us as a result of the victory that Jesus won. And so that whatever you're going through, the power of God is yours. And that you can trust him enough to know that he is sufficient for every one of your needs. That's what the Apostle Paul was told as he was lamenting his thorn in the flesh, and even prayed about it multiple times. And what did Jesus say to him? He said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect even in your weakness. There is rejuvenation in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And finally, there's also rejuvenation as a result of God's promises. Again, I go back to the message of the angel. The angel said, you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen just as he said, just as he promised. You see, when Jesus died, all that God had promised, all the way from the Old Testament, all the way through, all the way through this time in the Gospels, all that God promised was waiting in the balance, waiting to see What happened? Nature was waiting. Heaven was waiting. The disciples, his his followers were, were waiting. We know that Jesus had said earlier in the Gospels that the Son of Man would indeed suffer and die. And then he promised, he says, but on the third day he will rise again. Would God sacrifice his son not to bring him back? No, he promised that he would. And as a result of Jesus coming back to life, we know that the promises of God are absolutely true, that Jesus really can forgive sins, that he really does take us to be with him forever in eternity. God kept his promise. And as a result, there is rejuvenation, new life again for all those who place their trust in him. And you can be a assured that Jesus keeps his promises for you and there are three things that you can hang your promise hang your faith on today three promises that I want you to be assured of first of all you can be absolutely assured that you are forgiven from your past you know every one of the disciples realized that they had hurt their Lord they had deserted Jesus at the time of his greatest need And that past could have haunted them for the rest of their lives had not Jesus risen from the grave. But he's alive. And all that talk about forgiveness then as a result through him was true. So that no matter what is in your past, the victory that Jesus won for you by his death and resurrection means that you are forgiven. In the great resurrection chapter then uh, of the epistles in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 17, Paul writes, if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile and you would still be in your sins. But the fact that Jesus lives, as a result, Paul celebrates in Romans 8 verse 1, he says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. Through your faith in Jesus, you are forgiven. Early in our worship, we confessed our sins. We receive that assurance through the very power and promise of God that we are forgiven by God's grace in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We know that the very presence of that resurrected Christ in our hearts and in our lives assures us that we are forgiven of our past. Secondly, what can we be sure of? The second promise is that we can have joy for the present. Verse 8 says that, that after hearing the message of the angel at the empty tomb, what did the women do? They ran and they told the disciples. And it says in our text that they were filled with joy. That's what happens when you meet the living Lord Jesus Christ and you put your trust in him. There's a joy in your life, even in spite of circumstances, in spite of all the bad things that can happen, there is joy in knowing that while we aren't in control, that God's in control. There is joy in knowing that with, as a result of, of our relationship with him, that there is always a bright future, that yes, this too shall pass. A sure sign of that joy uh, from the gospel writer uh, tells us that, that the women upon le- leaving, uh, and learning that Jesus was alive and not dead, they were filled with joy. And what did they do? It's, Matthew tells us that they ran and they told the disciples. You see, good news doesn't walk. It always runs. That's what happened when my grandson, Charlie, was about three years old, and we were fishing. You know, he was holding the rod. I was helping him. And sure enough, a bass, about oh, 12, 15 inches or so, keeps getting bigger through the years, of course. Uh, But he caught the bass. And as soon as we got it up on the shore, he ran inside. He said, Grandpa, hold this. And he ran inside and he wanted everybody in the house to know and to see. Come and see. Come and see the fish that I caught. You see, that's the joy and excitement that happens when you know the truth. That God loves you the way that you are, and that by his grace and his undeserved love, he gave his life for you and he rose again for you, that your sins have been defeated so that there is joy, joy, so that you don't have to live in the gloom and doom of this world because you know that the victory has already been won, that the Lord has everything under control, that we have a a bright future, and that things are going to get better. And the final promise that you can be absolutely assured of is that you can have a resurrection hope for tomorrow. One of the comforting additions to our campus at Carmel, Cornerstone Carmel, is the resurrection statue that's in the courtyard of our prayer garden. This 10-foot statue, as you can see, has Jesus with his arms outstretched as an invitation to come to him. And at the base is the assurance that he spoke to his friends at the death of his friend Lazarus. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The passage goes on to say then, Jesus says, whoever believes in me, even though they die, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Now he wasn't talking about physical death. He was talking about spiritual death. He was talking about eternity there. And God made promise that be, made the promise that since Jesus rose from the dead, that those who attach themselves to him, those who know him as their savior, also have that same assurance that we're going to be with him in everlasting life. He is the resurrection and the life. And so even as we pass through this dark valley right now of the shadow of death in our world and in our nation and even in our community, our hope is based on a sure horizon for tomorrow. And that is what Easter does for us. Since Jesus defeated death, we have the assurance of an eternal future. That whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Say it with me. Everlasting life. It was Winston Churchill, the great British prime minister during World War II, Uh, who died in in 1965, who had pre-planned his funeral at St. Paul's Cathedral in London. And in that service, he included many of the great hymns of the church within the framework of the eloquent Anglican liturgy. But as soon as the benediction was completed, at his direction, a bugler positioned high up in the dome at St. Paul's intoned the chords of taps. The universal signal that the day is over. But then came the most dramatic of turns. As Churchill instructed, as soon as Taps was finished, on the other side of the great dome, there was a trumpeter playing reveille. It's time to get up. It's time to get up. It's time to get up in the morning. And that's the truth. As a result of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Savior, death will never have the last note for you or me. Death is merely that door that we Christians pass through in order to be with our Lord forever in glory. I like what Job says. He says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at last I shall see God whom I shall see for myself and not another. The Apostle Paul puts it this way. He says, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so this Easter, may you be rejuvenated with the assurance of life everlasting with Jesus. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Amen and amen.